The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Kyle, you are pardoned. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for making your way here, checking out the series. You know what to do by this point. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you like what you hear, because I put out three new interviews every single week. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. And you can do so at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I am once again talking to one of my all-time favorite artists, Shirley Manson. Uh, Aside from, you know, being the lead singer in Garbage, she's also got a successful podcast called The Jump. We're going to be diving in to uh, season three. It's uh, it's a podcast that finds her speaking with some of her favorite artists about the songs that change their careers. So we're going to be getting into that, as well as discussing the art of songwriting and its current place in the pop landscape, the importance of being weird, and the opportunities to borrow from greatness. Uh, Manson also dives into her interview with Alanis Morissette that's in this season and their shared experience coming up in the 90s and the power of Cat Power, uh, Alanis, Garbage, and Cat Power all on tour together right now. We we'll also want to hear about being a hero to so many people in the way that she sees Patti Smith, another of her guests on this season. It's also the 20th anniversary of Garbage's third album, Beautiful Garbage, and Shirley tells us about the, the painful period that produced that LP and it's lining up with 9-11, but how it's eventually come to speak for this current moment that we're in today and finally finding the recognition that it deserves. So let's get into this, talking about the season three of The Jump, 20th anniversary of Beautiful Garbage. It's Kyle Meredith with Shirley Manson. How are you, Kyle? So first off, congratulations on a new season of The Jump. This has been such a uh, such a really fun, uh, interesting, and entertaining uh, series to go through, especially 
uh, as just a music fanatic, you have given me as a fan so much out of this. So, so congrats and thank you first. Thank you. My God. I mean, it's nothing really to do with me, to be honest. It's just being smart enough to have amazing guests, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That, I mean, I, I say I don't know if that's true um, from, from what I hear because, because what I get out of it is not just what you're asking, but I always enjoy, I mean, the best parts are what I get from you and you, what you get from their music as well. Um, I think that's what makes it special to me. And I, I don't, I don't know if you mean to go in it, uh, you know, in that direction, but, but I seem to get something like that out of every episode. Funny. I mean, I don't know because I, I don't go back and listen to them because I'm scared. I get like, like self-loathing feelings about it. So I do it in the moment and then I just hope to God that it turns that I don't come across as a complete idiot. But I'm, I have full confidence in the people that I have, have, have thus far interviewed. Um, I mean, I've just been bowled away by their, their, their intelligence and their willingness to reveal, you know, their process. And I've found it fascinating and educative. You know, I mean, what more can you ask from your job? Right. I, I feel like I'm going back to school and at 55 years old for me it's in an enormous gift you know because you as, a, as an artist as a creative you have to keep learning otherwise you yourself just die you, you know artistically die and and this has come along a part in a time in my life where I really was looking for some injection of inspiration and drive and I don't know, this has just been a real joy. I, and I cannot believe again in my life that I've been given this opportunity, you know. I'm constantly reminded, not, not that I actually need the reminder about how much magic there is just in the songwriting, because there can be a point where when you wipe away uh, the mythology uh, behind some of the things, you know, it's, you know, the, the old phrase, how the sausage is made. <laughs> But mm. the way you talk to these artists, there's it just goes to prove that there's so much magic. And, and a lot of that's uh, obviously just natural magic and, and who knows where it comes from. But but getting into these songs, I mean, I'll ask a few of the obvious questions that, I, that I'm sure you have been asked. Like when, when you're hearing about these songs as a songwriter yourself, do you find that that goes on to influence you or, or even change your relationships with your own songs in any way? Uh, well, I do find it inspiring hearing them speak about how they approach their work. Um, I mean, I think I've bored you with this before, Kyle, but I have very never bore me. Feelings. You never bore me. <laughs> Good save. Um, I have very strong feelings about how the art of songwriting has been neglected. I feel in um, in in both uh, social media, in 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 music writing. Um, I in in print, I feel like the pop star has eclipsed everything. The the theatrics and and the costumes and the the glitz and the glamour has become all consuming. And and really for me as an artist, always since when I was young, I was interested in what people had to say and how they said it and what drove the engine that is what excites me it's not about the picture it's about the mechanics and and so when i got the opportunity to to talk about the mechanics of songwriting um i was really excited because so much 
of the songs that we all love is taken for granted, you know, and yet someone has spent a lifetime coming to the point where that idea is brought to the fore and either um, performed by the artist themselves or it's given to another artist who then carries that into the public domain. And so to sit with artists, somebody like Patti Smith, for a random example, who I've loved since I was a kid, and ask her about the creative process was just, it, it was mind blowing. I mean, I, I was close to tears. I had goosebumps. Uh, the same with David Byrne, again, somebody that's really influenced me, you know, from when I was at high school in my you know in my first music classes we we recorded a version a school band version of Psycho Killer by Talking Heads and you know things like that so sitting down with with these artists who have who have successfully negotiated decades of of you know uh public taste and and uh public interest is is truly remarkable and they're taken for artists like that are currently really taken for granted I mean sure they get some love but they're not lauded the way the you know the sexy young you know ingenue who's straight out of stage school is it's it, it is interesting because when I think back to a lot of my favorite albums a lot of my favorite songs you know I was I was, I was saying this about the Pixies not long ago like like Monkey Gone to Heaven just again random example right there mm -hmm. that's not a song you know when I hear it and again, I, I say this just as a random fan that was written, you know, that's like a song that just existed suddenly. Yeah, it just becomes. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's that's a little bit of what I was getting at, too, uh, earlier about when I talk about the magic of songwriting, because because I, I guess for me, sometimes there is that fear that, oh, I'll suddenly realize just how human that song is, you know, in a way. I, I don't know why I'm afraid of that, but but. When you talk to these, and maybe it's because you're an artist who I feel has <laughs> has given some of those songs that's just poofed into existence, you know. But um, but it, I, I never lose that. I, I never lose that. And I'm I'm gonna re I'm gonna overuse this word. Just that magic of of how a song can exist even after just so much creation. You know, hardship a lot of the time. I mean, you know, rare does the song just you know the the ones that come along in thirty seconds. So fascinating, isn't it? And yet there's so little curiosity really about songwriting currently in our culture. You know, people just accept there's there's the song, there's the person. Do I like the song? Do I not like the song? And mostly currently, I think there's this desire for formulaic pop writing. So the more familiar a new song is, the more the listener approves of it. And that to me is a terrifying trend in, in the music business currently, where if you sound different, you mess up the algorithms. So you are immediately discounted. And, and instead we're getting these songs that more and more sound so alike. They're so interchangeable. And yet the audience enjoy the familiarity of it rather than the, the strangeness or, or the like what, what feels foreign and, and challenging and peculiar people shun, seem to currently shun that and want these songs that that just all use the same plugins the same production techniques and so on and so forth and I find that fascinating like what the hell is that because when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s we all were 
we were our imaginations were fired by those who were doing things that were unfamiliar and didn't sound like anyone else that was the whole trick right how do i sound different from the algorithm yeah it it would only take musicians label people whoever a little bit of homework when you go back and for so many songs to be released every year and for so many songs to make the charts but see the ones that last it's the ones that always have at least a little bit of weird to them you over have to have and a wee over bit weird. and over yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have to have a wee bit weird weird is good weird it's is the ones that make it through. interesting yeah yeah, Absolutely. yeah, because if you sound like everyone else, you get dumped with everyone else and then you just get put out with, you know, with the garbage, at, you know, a few years later because you sound out of time, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. So when you're talking then, because you, you know, so you talk to a lot of great artists and every one of these artists, I will say, has uh, at least a little bit and usually a good heavy dose of weird to them in, the, in all the best ways, obviously. But do you find that there is, you know, there's still different genres per se. Do you, do you find that there still ends up being a through line with how they talk about their music? Well, you know, when, when we come to the drawing board to, you know, pick guests, um, I have a a plot up booker called Mara Davis who she and I like share like a twin brain like we love the same things we're excited by the same people we're interested in the same people and and we are attracted to very powerful strong unique artists like we don't want to really give much more time to those who already sound like a generic version of someone else like we're we're interested in those who are willing to take chances and and those who stand out and those who have something to say and have a philosophy behind their writing and their creativity. And that's what attracts us. The, the genre of music is irrelevant. It's more the, the driver behind the, the work. I, I realized as I was asking that, what I was really getting to was with all these great artists, what are you able to steal from them? Because if they give you the right information, then you can take that. <laughs> well, one can never steal from greatness. One can only borrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's there to keep, you know, um, that's, that's why they're so fascinating and why they've all endured so long is because they are so uniquely talented and, and they have a different way of looking at things. You know, they're all coming from different angles, which makes them so fascinating to me. Like, you know, you wonder where does, where do the ideas, like using Thundercat as an example, if you listen to his records, they're so strange. Like there's there's no rhyme or reason to how he puts them together, and yet he comes up with these incredible landscapes of of sound and unbelievable, um, you know, wizardry, phenomenal playing. You know, he's he's plays with nothing but the greatest players out there. You know, and you wonder where the, where does that all come from? Where does like when you're you know. I don't know it's it's mystifying and and exciting and I've always come out of every session interviewing these artists with I, I feel like someone's injected fire into my veins a thundercat he was um I just saw him open for Erica Badu the other yeah, day amazing just yeah, yeah. His, his former employer Right. Just incredible yeah. what he's doing out there. Just he's yeah. unbelievable and he was so funny and so humble you know so I don't know. I, I just came away just going, I love him. I want him to be my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the horrible thing is I fall in love with them all. I think for a week after interviewing David Byrne, I was lovesick. Uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. And the last time I can remember feeling that lovesick was when I went to see David Bowie at Murrayfield Stadium in Edinburgh, Scotland wow. in the 80s. And for maybe a week to two weeks, I felt sick that that David Bowie had, le- had left Edinburgh and moved on elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt the same with David Byrne, just this just complete admiration and love struckness. I like how you said you talk about that, just being fired up and everything, because I know exactly what you mean as someone who also does this i mean um i you know i produce three a week but uh you know sometimes i'm doing more of that in the week and it doesn't matter how many when the good interviews happen when the great interviews happen i'm sure my wife is just you know i run up and i've got to talk about it you know it's uh, like you know yeah. I, I know that high that you get yeah but you know you you're a professional i mean i ha- i'm just learning how to do this like i am not at your level and i i wished i could do it more often because i know that i would get better quicker but each season there's so much time between each season that every time i come back to it i feel like i can't do it and i get very panicked and i'm very imp- uh, my perspective regarding interviews has shifted entirely and when i speak to somebody like you i'm fully aware of the skill involved and the the prep the preparation had never ever occurred to me i know that just shows you what a narcissist i am <laughs> but it had never occurred to me when i enjoyed you know work um you know talking to uh, to someone who's great at what they do uh, it never occurred to me that they'd done all that work ever i mean how sad is that the prep takes hours i, I want to tell you something and i'm not i'm not blowing smoke up your ass here uh, i think you're a better interviewer than me though that's you're just so natural at it and i, and I know stop, that doesn't come stop, natural stop but it comes across for compliments, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's true you are no okay the compliment is there you're really good at this thank you that's <laughs> that means a lot to me coming from you the um and again I, i'll get back to the things i i take away from it because uh, <laughs> i'm gonna name drop once um i i interviewed chris cornell um not long before the end of his life and and at the beginning of it we were small talking and he said i i actually forget how we set it up but he goes well this is all really about you it's not about me he goes you're interviewing me but you're getting stuff that you want to know this is really about you and it sort of blew my mind as something like i don't think in the, my interviews are about me to to most of the degree but i get what he was saying and i i'll bring that back around to the jump uh, and and your and your series here because it's of course, when I listen to it, it is what I get from it. You want, like, uh, for instance, talking to Alanis, you ask her about the lyrics and you ought to know if that was her then or as a future projection of her. And that's something that's never occurred to me, you know, from a songwriter, what that could mean. And it sort of blew my mind. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to have a different perspective than a journalist who's never made written music before. So there's definitely a unique perspective because I'm a musician myself and because I'm a performer for sure. And and that I don't think that speaks to any skill that I have as an interviewer. I think it, it, it speaks to my skill as a writer, you know, because um, there is a difference. Yeah. I think that's interesting what you're saying, though, about uh, uh, what, what Chris Cornell said, because I do not think under any circumstance an interviewer is about the interview. E, excuse me, the interview is not about the interviewer, it's about the interviewee. But you are definitely, you know, as a questioner, you are curating the interview mm-hmm. for sure. Right. So it's your curation of that artist, which I think in itself is interesting. 
Which, by the way, uh, that lyric says a future projection. I absolutely put that in my pocket to borrow for later on as well. You're so. welcome. <laughs> You're well. Think of me. Think of me when you use it. It will do. It oh, will I be will. an honor. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will note you in the interview. <laughs> I'll make sure that I credit where it's due. <laughs> I, I should hit on Alanis while we're here because uh, you know here you are on tour together, of course, and it's um, you know it's well it's anniversary years for both the uh, you know for albums from both camps, and it's interesting to to look back on that too. It, again, the, the line of questioning because you're not only coming at that as as artist to artist, but but from era to era, um, like I guess there's a shared experience of the of the era. How important was that in in that interview with Alanis? You know, interesting to to sit with her and speak for as long as we did. I was very moved, actually, by the experience, because you're absolutely right. You know, here are two women um, who emerged in the 90s, mid 90s, um, and actually garbage toured with Alanis in 1998, I think it was. We, we all embarked on a big tour together. Of course, Alanis was headlining. And here we are 20 years later, or 25 years later, excuse me, um, opening for her again. And it has been every night I have the same feelings, overwhelming feelings of gratitude, you know, where we have both survived a very difficult, very competitive, very cruel uh, industry to women. And here we are, both of us um, living our best lives. You know, I mean, of course, my band are also involved and I, I'm not trying to exclude them willfully, but just it, there is something profound about the fact that Alanis and I have weathered this very complex terrain, you know, um, negotiated that terrain. And, and um, I'm very grateful to her you know to her and her organization for involving us giving us work you know at a time when I think I said to you just earlier this year you know I've been sitting on my ass for two years um because of COVID and and just how the music industry works so it's been a profound experience really profound and I am blown away by the reaction every night like I keep thinking oh we'll get a kind of mild reaction as all openers do and then Alanis will cut will crest that wave you know but every night I'm struck by the love that we're, we're offered from a, basically an Alanis audience, you know, and everybody I think is swept up in the emotions of, you know, our youth, our hopes, our, you know, futures our, our, and our past. It's, it's, it's wild. It really is wild. And by the time Alanis does take the stage, there's a huge wave of emotion coming from that crowd. It's, it's intense. Um, they sing along with every word, every <laughs> word, you know, to, to weather all of that. And you both come out legends. I would have called you a legend 25 years ago, both of you uh, and Cat Power and, and Liz, who, of course, was going to be on it. I mean, you know, what an amazing lineup uh, that, that it is all, all across the board. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. 
Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I keep thinking of the title of, uh, of the song from version 2.0, The Trick Is To Keep Breathing and just to stay and just to be there and eventually the world comes around to you I, I feel like that's not giving enough credit to what you've done but i know you know in the in the peaks and valleys to um any artist's career that that sort of happens like as long as you stay there and you keep producing good music it will come back to you well that's the key right there is you have to to the work has to be good mm-hmm. you can endure all you like but if you're putting out poor poor work then you won't last but you know it's I'm glad you brought up Cat Power because every night she steps on stage by herself one piano one guitar and the voice of a god you she's know amazing. And it's, uh, she's unbelievable and you know this is somebody that has not paid like sort of not played the pop game at all like one could definitely you know to say that both Alanis and Garbage have enjoyed huge pop success both bands you know Cat Power has always been this incredibly artistic creative brave raw brilliant beautiful artist who has just caught people's attention by this raw like loveliness and and I'm struck by it every single night every night I hear her sing and I'm I, I I'm shocked by how incredible she is and that voice she has an extraordinary voice some up there with like Fiona Apple you know right, that kind of right, voice right and um, I'm very moved by it and again I think of her tenacity of her determination of her ambition you know and it's beautifully veiled but it's there like nobody lasts that long without it and I find that really exciting so you talked to Patty Smith uh, on on the jump of course on this new season and you know being a hero I mean to be such a big hero that comes back around because uh, you know I do I, I don't mind throwing around the word legend when I when, when it's when it's warranted and, and and all of you all when you're talking to Patty Smith and I, I guess I'm asking this in the same way I was asking about you and Alanis coming from the same era and how important that was to the conversation. But for Patty Smith, like you're looked at as a hero to so many people. Does that does that end up having a base in the conversation, knowing how that feels to, to be represented like that in, in someone else's eyes? Well, you know, it's complicated because I accept that. I mean, we have millions of fans. So I have to accept it would be disingenuous for me to go, oh, no, I don't have that effect on people. I know I do. Of course I do. But it's an entirely different thing in my mind than someone like Patti Smith, who is an archetype. You know, there's a difference, I think. And a pioneer. She's a pioneer. Like the, the industry would be the way it is without her. You know, she's one of those players, one of those most important players that designed the game, designed the field, the board. Um, And, you know, I find the word icon, legend, it's bandied around all the time. People use it with debut artists, you know, icon. And I find I just eye roll. It's like so tedious. Patti Smith is a legend that will never die she's going down a musical history. Now, as much as I would love to think that I would be going down a musical history, I very much doubt it. I haven't done what she's done, you know. So to speak to her was a profound experience, you know, and it felt like touching it, touching the void for me, 
you know, it's I can remember listening to her records and just imagining who she might be or what she was or how she would sound, how she would look, how her, how her skin might feel. And then, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting her several times. We have played with her, shared the stage with her, and then to talk with her about a record that I can remember listening to in my teenage bedroom. My mother was still alive. My sisters were in, you know, adjoining rooms. It was moving, you know, my family dog running around me and me listening to Patty and imagining a, a future for myself. And to be met with that was was. I, I was, I was even my best friend from home in Scotland was like, when I heard it, I listened to it and I cried. I cried for you, you know, because to be able to be a peer, even though I'm in a different shape, felt like such a gift. Yeah, she's one of those, she's one of those artists where it's like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't big enough. That's not good enough. You know, yeah. it needs to be something more like, I don't know, what are you... <laughs> Well, again, it's like what I'm saying is that she will go down and, in, in, you know, she will be remembered for longer than just her lifespan. And that's the measure, I think, of, an, of a great artist. Will you, be, will you be remembered beyond your moment where you can shine? St. Patty Smith. Maybe that's Saint, it. St. Patty Smith. Yes, please. St. <laughs> Shirley Manson. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though we get to say that i can say that you don't have to say that it's you can say whatever you like i can say that i am <laughs> i am such a huge fan of garbage like they're kind of, i know like, you're a fan I, that's so sweet it, it, it's right i've been lucky so lucky to have so many moments uh so many um you know opportunities to be able to talk to you because it is i i like i'm a fan of patty smith but i also am I guess my age to you, what you were to Patty Smith. So yeah, like, you know, yeah. that's, I listened to garbage in that exact same way, you know, as yeah. I was coming well, the of age. Connections are strange, right? So the connections that you have, we all have them. They're all individual. They're all, you know, you forge these connections with artists for different reasons, right? All of us. And that's the beauty of, of, of when you fall in love with an artist, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about them. That is your, go to like their heart to your heart their mind to your mind their soul to yours and that is again to use your word magic absolutely i, mean, I was just thinking uh we, you and i have a mutual friend uh, jonathan palmer and the um man darling when we, jonathan <laughs> when we geek out on garbage we geek out on garbage it's <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet thank you i mean i'm honored it's obviously i wouldn't I mean, I, I would be in a completely different place in my life if people didn't connect with us. I would, you know, this being in music has been this most spectacular gift. You know, I, I, I love my life. I've loved my career. I love what I do. I go out on stage every night full of joy, you know, and fire. And I'm just, I, I will do it for as long as I can. And uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Even the, even the dark stuff which obviously comes with every career I'm grateful for because you you know it's it's such a profound learning tool I, I've been looking for the seg and I think I just found it there the dark stuff and this isn't totally dark but but your third album beautiful garbage uh is is having its anniversary and I know that wasn't um as I, I say I know I wasn't there but as I read for especially from my bible of uh this is the noise that keeps me awake the garbage biography that I have behind me here <laughs> Plug. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, that wasn't um, the easiest time, and, and I, I really do want to quickly hit on that. Uh, obviously, because there's an anniversary collection of this record that you or someone, uh, the team anyway, have, have said you know it's a 
finally, hopefully getting its moment that it deserves. Because this, I guess, didn't get its moment that it's deserved for probably several reasons. Um, the industry, it came out 9-11 and so many things. Uh, I, I guess the easy question is here is what does this album mean to you right now? Well, you know, it's funny because I just did an interview just before you and, and I, had, I had this conversation um, about this record. And, you know, it, it is the m most painful record um, to remember in our discography in that, and not, not for the obvious reasons, because it did sink our career. I will, I will, I will be honest with you, this record sank our career for quite a considerable amount of time um but we still love this record and are immensely proud of it and it got sunk for a variety of reasons like you said first of all like you also said it was released two weeks after september 11th so the run-up to this release date was was weeks of of international grief it wasn't just our grief you know it was the whole world was in mourning and in shock and it changed the landscape of our lives irrevocably forever all of us and so yes this record came out two weeks after this horrendous atrocity and it dropped like a stone I mean nobody was interested in playing it for again for a variety of reasons you know the musical climate around this time had also shifted entirely and this was the reign of of like garage rock so you know uh, the white stripes and strokes were were kings mm. and we just found ourselves sonically out of step particularly in the UK, which was basically where everything kind of blew out of, you know, in our career, like that would be the, the little sort of uh, centre in which we would, we would send off our, our, you know, our garbage songs into the universe. Um, and in the UK at this time, there was just a different you know, taste for a different sound and we didn't fit in. And so we had had enjoyed 16 records uh, 16 songs that had gone straight into Radio 1, which is the most dominant radio station at that time in Britain, uh, onto their playlist, either their, mostly their play, A playlist, I believe. Um, and we didn't get on any playlist anywhere with anyone. And we had gone from this incredible career to this total disaster of, of a, a record release. And um, we never recovered. Um, I, would I would argue we've only really recovered since in 2012 so it took a long time you know to get back our equilibrium and our confidence and our willingness to to take another shot and a, another hit you know so and I was also going through a dreadful divorce like I, I was going through a breakup of a marriage whilst making this record so I was abjectly miserable whilst making this record um I can remember being in in smart studios with Duke he and I downstairs he was playing piano and I was absolutely beside myself with grief and I was seated on a little chair and I and he and I wrote basically the main sort of thrust of cup of coffee right there um because I was just raw I was just so raw and everything just kind of poured out so yeah I have painful memories but I'm very proud of this record because I'm thinking to myself how do we have these amazing songs in our discography at this point that we can pull out on any day and then be like bolts out of the blue, like, you know, Can't Cry These Tears Anymore is like a 1960s Bill right. Spector song. That's exactly what I have written rock, down. <laughs> yeah, for any rock band to have that, to be able to pull that out, you know, and play it, 
it's like extraordinary. We took a lot of risks on this record. We were very brave, I think. We didn't try and emulate our previous sound. We were doing the opposite. We were like, how can we sound different? How can we surprise everyone? How can we investigate the kind of production that's really popular right now in America? Like, how can we examine Timberland, for an example, who we were all in awe of and, and remain so, by the way? Um, you know, how, how do these records get made? Let's, let's have a look and examine that and dismantle that and apply that to who we are as a rock band. Like, how fresh would that be? And we got punished, we got royally punished for it, but now we're like, yes, this is a really unique esoteric sounding record that we're really proud of. And the songwriting is pretty strong. Like you could take these songs and play them on an acoustic guitar and they'd still be melodically and lyrically strong. And it's, you, you know, I'll, I'll use that phrase again. The trick is to keep breathing. This album is kept breathing. It is just stuck around. And because it's great, like this is the album that speaks to me now, right now, you know, um, as much as the new record, No Gods, No Masters, because of the the stuff that you're singing about, um, because of the style of songs uh, that's happening in here. Like it's, it, as, again, I say this as, as myself, as a fan, like I, I heard it then, I bought it then, I've had it then. And, you know, and I have my own relationship, but there's something about it now that makes way more sense, I guess, to my ears. Yeah, I mean, maybe we were just ahead of ourselves. And if there's such, that's such a great expression. Oh, you're ahead of yourself, you know, where, where you're just a step beyond where maybe you should be in the trajectory of your career. And maybe we just jumped a little too far forward. But now, like you say, it fits right in and it makes sense to everybody and and it really feels authentic to who we are, who we proved ourselves to be, you know, because people have a different idea of you when, you when you're young and you start out to who you are when, you know, 30, 30 years later. It's interesting, those, um, those parallels too. I mean, Beautiful Garbage was, because of the nature of the world, was a 9-11 record and No Gods, No Masters is, becomes a pandemic album. It's like in here yeah. 20 years later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess so. Yeah. yeah, we're at it again, Kyle. At we're at it. it again. And please stay at it, Shirley, because because um, we need it. Uh, I need it at least. Um, if this is about me, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I certainly appreciate what you all do. The risks you take, that you're staying weird. Um, you know, we talked about that. You talked about that with Robin too. Uh, just you know, the the importance of staying weird. Thank you so much for staying weird and writing amazing art. You're very welcome, Kyle. <laughs> um, the new season of The Jump is so much fun. Uh, everybody has to go listen to it. Binge, uh, binge the crap out of that thing because uh, it's absolutely uh, worth it. So, Shirley, thank you so much for uh, the time once again. Thank you so much, Kyle, for your support. It's much, it really is. It's, it's really appreciated by everyone in the band. Anytime, every time. All right, All right take, kiddo. Take care. Yeah, see you out there. My thanks as always to Shirley Manson. Again, season three of The Jump is already out, and it's the 20th anniversary. There is a deluxe edition of Beautiful Garbage that you should seek out as well. I also encourage you, as while well, you're seeking out, to go further down into the this series, the Kyle Meredith With podcast series. It was in June the last time I spoke with Shirley. And in fact, in that episode, I included, I think, all of our past episodes. So there's a, like an an hour, uh, almost an hour and a half worth of, uh, of garbage talk further on down in the series. Do check that out if you haven't already. 
And as always, don't forget to uh, subscribe to this series, uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with for three new interviews every single week. That's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Afterward, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. As they see, as you see, as I've even said. (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.